You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. Good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the CCB GTT National Call. This is February the 10th, 2021, uh, White Cane Week, sort of in the middle of White Cane Week. So happy White Cane Week and a happy time to be reading these days. I find I'm doing a lot more reading since COVID. Great, because I love it so much. And I know that everybody is always really anxious to hear from Sila because a lot of people use Sila. And we're lucky to have three very dedicated people from Sila with us tonight. We have uh, Lori Davidson, who's the executive director of Sila. I think the last time we had staff on, uh, Rhino was on, and we've also had Michael on too. But it's great to have Lori here, and we have Lindsay and Karen here, who are also really knowledgeable um, Sila staff. So I will turn it over to Lori. And she's going to make a bit of a presentation, and then they're very happy to take questions and answers after that. So welcome, everybody, and welcome to Lori and Lindsay and Karen. Um, so, Kim, I probably have about 20 to 30 minutes. Is that okay for sort of my, my comments and remarks? And then we can take uh, questions. Does that work timing-wise? Yeah, that's perfect. Perfect. Thank okay. you. Great. Well, thanks, Kim, for that introduction. Um, and I'm very pleased to be here. Um, so as Kim said, my name is Laurie Davidson. Um, I'm, I'm located in Vancouver, BC, and I'd like to acknowledge that I live and work on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples, uh, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Sail with Tooth Nations. So I started in the role of the executive director um, for CELA in September. Um, so I've been here now for almost five months uh, and it's been um, a real learning curve and been really exciting uh, for me to get to know, um, to get to know CELA and all the services that it does. In terms of myself, I have about 25 years of librarian experience. I am a librarian and I spent the early part of my career both working in libraries and also for a technology vendor um, that uh, builds systems for libraries. Um, and then I spent the next 10 years uh, working for the BC Libraries Cooperative. Um, and um, in that work, I uh, primarily worked with uh, public libraries in BC on licensing content for libraries. And then in the latter part of my work there, I was working in accessibility, um, most recently as the project manager for NELS. Um, and in that, I was primarily focusing on accessible publishing um, projects. So I am thrilled now to be working for CELA um, and to advance the conversation around an equitable reading landscape uh, in Canada. So I'm going to start um, with an overview of CELA services and, um, and what we do. I, I, I suspect that there's quite a few um, on this call that are um, longtime users and um, may know all of this already, um, but there also may be some new folks or there may be some uh, people who, who are not currently users of the CELA service. So I'm going to do an overview um, of the um, of our services, who we are sort of and what our um, what I, I sort of think of as, as our rooted philosophy um, in how we operate. Um, and that will include some, some discussion around how we build our collections, our partnerships. I'm gonna talk a bit about uh, the Marrakesh Treaty. 
going to talk about COVID-19 and, and how that has affected us, um, and then briefly talk about um, sort of digital our digital platform and some enhancements that are coming, as well as some explorations we're looking into on some new methods um, of delivery. I want to talk also a little bit about the accessible publishing um, work that is going on in Canada as a whole. Um, and then I'll end a bit with our strategic planning process. So that's what I'm gonna do as an overview um, in my talk uh, today. I think we've got time for questions at the end. I mean, if people have questions during my presentation, that's that's fine, but um, we can also hold off and do the questions um, at the end if people have some. So CELA, which stands for uh, the Centre for Equitable Library Access, uh, provides a necessary public service for public libraries and related stakeholders um, to ensure equitable access to reading for people with print disabilities in Canada. Um, and it is estimated that there's more than 3 million people in Canada that have print disabilities, and yet still uh, approximately 93% of published content worldwide is still not available in accessible format. So much of our work um, in making accessible formats available to our readers is made possible by the exception in Canada's Copyright Act. And that exception allows um, for organizations such as CELA to produce materials in accessible format for people with print disabilities. Um, in the Copyright Act, the terminology that is used there is actually perceptual disabilities. We use the term uh, print disabilities. Um, and that includes uh, three areas. One is vision impairment um, or vision, uh, total vision loss, um, a physical disability that results in the inability to hold a conventional book, um, and learning and cognitive disabilities such as dyslexia. So it's a wide range um, of users um, who fall um, under somebody who has a print disability. And this also means that there are different formats that work better for different users. Um, and also means that there are different technologies that people use to access that content depending on, on their particular print disability. So as I said, we do work through public libraries um, and public libraries have always been a cornerstone um, of a society that values inclusion and accessibility. Um, and for us, our overarching goal is to ensure public libraries are able to provide access to reading materials for people with print disabilities in ways that are inclusive, barrier-free and equitable. Um, and this in turn ensures that people with print disabilities are more able to fully participate in their community and society. And while public libraries provide a breadth of services to their communities, many services and collections offered are still not suitable for people with print disabilities um, because they're not necessarily accessible or they don't always um, offer them in a way that people with print disabilities can take advantage of them. So in effect, in the current climate right now, many existing public library collections alone are currently not equitable substitutes for what many people with print disabilities require with regards to uh, reading. So to outline sort of broadly this, the CELA services that we provide to libraries um, and to our users, uh, so we enable public libraries to offer an ever-expanding collection. We've now got close to 900,000 accessible books, newspapers, and magazines. And these include both Bookshare titles um, and CELA titles. And Bookshare um, is a collection of about 800,000 titles uh, from the U.S. Um, that include uh, popular reading material as well as education, ed educational material. A lot of work that we do is in producing accessible content, and we do this with our uh, partner, um, our partnership with CNIB, who produces accessible content for us. This includes human-narrated audio, human-transcribed Braille, 
uh, print braille children's books and accessible e-text and EPUB. Um, we also provide a range of delivery options. Um, so for digital delivery that can include the downloading of zip files. Um, we also have the direct to player service. Um, and then we also do physical delivery. So we circulate hard copy print braille. Um, we provide embossed braille on demand and we also distribute um, audiobooks on CDs that we'll send um, direct to libraries and also direct to end users. We do a lot of training and support to both libraries and users. Um, and we also form partnerships with publishers, distributors, and now with the benefit of the Marrakesh Treaty, we are working with um, other libraries worldwide who serve people with print disabilities um, in order to exchange collections. And this allows us to build a strong and diverse collection of reading um, for our users uh, in Canada. So CELA is supported, it's a nonprofit um, organization. Uh, we are supported by funding at the federal level. Um, that is through um, uh, ESDC, Employment um, um, Services and Development Canada, uh, specifically through the social, um, the SDPPD fund, which is the social development uh, uh, part, uh, <laughs> I'm going to trip up on my acronym there, social development partnership program for disabilities. Um, uh, we also have funding agreements in, we're also funded at the provincial level and also some uh, for those, uh, for some provinces also at the individual library level. So we have agreements in place with the provincial governments of Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland and Labrador, Prince Edward Island, Northwest Territories and the Yukon. Um, and we also have an in-kind agreement uh, with the National Library of Quebec, BANQ. We are a fully bilingual service uh, with collections, services, support and communications provided in English and French. Um, our CELA team uh, works with library staff and um, helps them use the CELA services, provides regular training and provides promotional materials. Um, and uh, with that, public libraries then, um, uh, then also uh, work uh, with their, each of their communities, uh, people with print disabilities in their communities to use the CELA services. I, users uh, can select their own material or use our CELA profile system, which allows a user to identify uh, reading interests and we will select titles uh, for them that match those interests. Um, and we also have a contact center, uh, which users can call if they have questions, if they need help with their profile service or if they're encountering issues with using the service, um, either with the collection or with their devices. Um, I want to talk about three sort of access programs. We have an educator access program. So in addition to individual uh, patrons, CELA provides an educator access program that allows educators at elementary, secondary and post-secondary levels um, to access CELA services on behalf of their students with print disabilities. Uh, we also um, have a client access support, which is similar to educator access, but it uh, broadens out to other pro uh, professionals that may work uh, with people with print disabilities. It might be a physical therapist, for instance, um, or a recreational therapist. And again, they can uh, use CELA services to access on behalf of their clients. Um, and we've also introduced a designates program where a user can name a designate to assist them with their accounts. Um, this allows a designate to kind of help them uh, place and manage holds, download titles um, and interact with us on the user's behalf. And this is, uh, has come to be um, throughout the pandemic where we received a lot of um, uh, a higher volume of inquiries from family members and others in users' lives asking how they could help support um, their CELA user. 
Um, so if you're interested in becoming, uh, in knowing more about the designate program, um, we have a page um, off of our website. In terms of communication, we have a monthly newsletter that goes out called Open Book. Um, we also have a blog on our website. Um, and um, uh, the, uh, the Open Book, we also target towards different audiences. Uh, so one for users, we have one for educators and one for um, library staff. Um, so we encourage folks to check that out to keep in touch with what's new and what's happening with us that way. So in building collections, we have a wonderful collection development uh, librarian who um, builds our collection. We have, a, we have a, what's called a collections policy, which we have developed uh, to guide us in how we um, build our collections so that it is intentionally curated and well-balanced. Um, we have an emphasis on Canadian content as well as Indigenous content. Um, and uh, this, uh, this, uh, uh, this collections policy uh, drives how we uh, build um, our collection. A lot of the, um, the, the pieces that we add to the collection, so we do original production. This is who, what we do through our partnership with CNIB. Uh, we choose uh, books for original uh, production. Um, these are books that would not be available commercially in an accessible format. Uh, so like if there's no commercial audiobook available, uh, we, could, we would choose to maybe uh, produce this originally by CNIB to make that available in, in human narrated audiobook format. Similarly, we do that with Braille. So generally we choose newer titles um, and most often Canadian public, uh, publications when we choose um, books for original uh, production. We also get content from a variety of other sources. So as I said before, we uh, provide access to the Bookshare collection, um, which now is almost 800,000 um, books um, in a variety of languages, uh, uh, which includes current bestsellers as well as educational resources. We have purchasing agreements in place with some of the major um, distributors. So Recorded Books, Blackstone Audio, Dreamscape Audio, and most recently we've entered into an agreement with Overdrive. Uh, which is a common um, distributor to, to libraries. Um, and we are now able to purchase content and make um, um, audiobooks and EPUBs that we purchase through Overdrive available into the CELA collection. Uh, we provide access to about 45 national, international and regional newspapers, which are updated daily and available online in accessible HTML. We have about 150 magazines in DAISY text, um, which are made available on or near the date of publication, as well as human narrated audio magazines and, mag and magazines in Braille. Um, we also work with awards programs um, all throughout the year and some of the exciting ones in process and coming up right now, um, Canada Reads, we've got the Forest of Reading coming up and the TD Summer Reading Club. I'll talk a bit about how we also, um, through partnerships and exchange, are able to expand our collection. And I think there's some really exciting movements in this area. So as I uh, mentioned before, we do have an agreement in place with the National Library of Quebec, that's BANQ. Um, so this allows us to add um, their produced uh, French content that would include human narrated audio and their Braille collection. And we are able to add that to our collection. Uh, in January, we announced um, an agreement with Penguin Random House Canada, which some of you may have read, um, and Penguin Random House Canada has generously contributing Canadian produced audiobooks with Canadian distribution rights to CELA's collection, and we were able to load about 400 titles into our collection, um, and additional new titles will be added on an ongoing basis. 
Uh, we are also in discussion with other publishers, some fairly big ones. Um, so hopefully we'll have more agreements coming and we'll be able to add that content. I think it's a really uh, exciting uh, trend uh, for us to be able to get um, those books directly from the publishers. And I will say that it also in the broader publishing landscape, there is uh, so much more content now available um, in commercial audiobook. Um, so that we aren't uh, needing for every title to be able to have to do original production, that we can take a commercial audiobook and um, and convert it into um, a DAISY audio, accessible audiobook and make it available to our users. I think the other area that is really exciting is with the, with the Marrakesh Treaty. So uh, the Marrakesh Treaty was signed in 2013 um, and it was uh, ratified in 2016. And this has opened up uh, a lot of possibilities for expanding access to accessible books from other countries um, and will allow us uh, to uh, provide access to content, particularly in other languages. Um, so CELA is a member of the Accessible Book uh, Consortium's Global Book Service. Um, sometimes called ABC. This is administered by the United Nations um, WIPO, the World Intellectual Property Organization. Um, and it came into being uh, soon after the Marrakesh Treaty was signed in 2013. And it is the mechanism by which organizations um, authorized to produce accessible formats from around the world can share files. So new countries are signing on each year. And as more content gets put into that collection, um, the CELA users um, uh, are able, we are able to uh, make th those collections available to our users. In terms of how we have participated, uh, so far we've added about uh, over 3,000 titles from the ABC Global Book Service. Um, and in terms of our collection being sought after from other countries, we have had more than 20,000 titles downloaded by entities in other countries since its launch. I think. Um, one of the most uh, uh, exciting uh, things that's happened with the Marrakesh Treaty is uh, the US, the United States um, did ratify it in 2019 and has now made the appropriate legislative changes that it needed to make to its Copyright Act so that it could participate. Um, and so now um, NLS, the National Library Service for the Blind and Print, print Disabled um, is now um, able to participate um, within that exchange. So we have actually entered into an agreement directly with NLS where we are um, able to get, uh, they have about 100,000 titles of accessible formats um, that they are exchanging with us. And we are exchanging um, our titles that we can lend through the Marrakesh Treaty uh, to them. Uh, so hopefully over the coming year, we'll be able to add about 80,000 plus titles um, in both human narrated audio and uh, human transcribed braille formats. So that'll be a huge boon to our users um, to get access to that collection. And we'll be able to add those titles and also facilitate adding those titles on an ongoing basis um, uh, henceforth. Okay, we'll talk a little bit about COVID. Um, so I think COVID has made us realize that equitable library services are more important than ever um, and that people with disabilities have been disproportionately affected by the COVID-19 um, pandemic. Um, and so we are, um, uh, so as people in Canada navigate the realities of the pandemic, equitable access to information, education and recreation are key um, to ensuring the, that recovery includes all members of our community. So 
um, as some of you know, uh, in the spring, uh, when the pandemic uh, first began, uh, we did uh, have to shut down our production and distribution facilities in Toronto. And for a while, we were unable to, you know, mail out CDs and Braille, and we also um, stopped production. Um, because our production studios were closed. Uh, these, uh, this, these, these services uh, were able to uh, begin again uh, in late spring. Um, and we have been able to continue those services without interruptions since, um, even though there are current restrictions in Toronto, uh, so far our production and distribution processes are unaffected and on schedule. Um, we do have a COVID-19 page um, off of our website and we'll put updates there um, if there's any sort of future changes that happen that might affect that production and distribution schedule. Um, certainly some of the changes is our production and distribution staff at CNIB are following strict protocols. Um, so obviously any staff who are handling material are using appropriate uh, personal protective equipment. Um, physical workspaces and processes um, have been adjusted to be done in the safest manner possible. Um, and there's daily thorough cleanings going on and staff who are unwell are required to stay at home. I think um, one of the things that uh, Sila realized uh, over the pandemic and also when we had to um, stop delivery of our physical um, formats is uh, wanting to encourage uh, users uh, to become aware of um, our digital services because uh, uh, some of our users are not digital users. They only consume um, our content either on CD or in embossed braille. Um, so we did make a guide, a digital guide and uh, to help people who would like to try digital perhaps for the first time. And I do wanna um, give a huge thanks uh, to GTT and folks here. Um, I think who offered a great deal of support to our users. Um, some of them who are new to trying out digital and really found uh, this community to be very helpful in that process. So while talking about sort of new options for uh, digital delivery, um, I think in the in our CELA context, we are aware that while many users uh, might transfer to digital delivery, there are still, we have many users where it is difficult um, to do digital. That could be because um, they have limited internet connectivity or no um, connectivity at all. They may have lack of access to technology or they may have limited uh, technical skills or just no comfort level with learning technical skills. Um, so one of the things that we are doing as a result of the pandemic is trying to figure out if there's other things that we can be looking towards um, to offer additional delivery um, uh, so that we can be more resilient um, in the future. So I'm going to talk here and I'm going to keep this very um, talk about this as new sort of exploratory methods of delivery. None of these are um, are set in stone. They're just things that we have been investigating. Um, some of them have been inspired by things that other uh, libraries in other countries that service people with print disabilities um, are either piloting or have implemented. Uh, one of the things that um, uh, we've heard a lot of interest in um, is uh, the use of smart speaker or voice assisted uh, technologies. Um, this would be um, basically creating um, a solution where our platform would integrate, uh, say with Google Home or the Amazon services and a user could speak into the device to both search the CELA catalog, retrieve a, a book and have that book be uh, read to them through, um, through smart speakers. Uh, we have heard um, 
that this is being piloted in various places. I know NLS is looking at it um, and RNIB as well in the UK is looking at it. So it's, it's something that I think is uh, really interesting for us to explore and we're looking at the feasibility of it um, and what the cost might be and how we might do it. Um, we're also looking at some additional options for physical delivery. Um, so one of these is uh, looking at a low cost audiobook player that can hold multiple titles. Um, this player can be mailed out, so it could be a physical distribution, but it could also be um, hooked up um, uh, via, uh, you know, an internet connection and a PC and it, you could download uh, books directly to the device as well. Um, and we're also in conversation with Humanware. They've also got some interesting um, uh, uh, new devices coming. Uh, this is some work that, again, they're doing with NLS in the United States um, with a new DAISY device that uses cartridges instead of CDs. Um, so this is something that we're tracking too. Okay, um, some updates on the digital platform. So I think we've now been almost two years on our new digital platform and most of the kinks um, I think have now been worked out. I just wanted to go over some of the advantages in the new system. Um, certainly it's better accessibility and a more optimized experience for mobile users. We've got the integrated search and discovery layer that allows us to search both Bookshare and Seal at the same time. Uh, Bookshare has allowed us more choice in format, um, including an increase in braille and synthetic audio, which can be created on the fly. So this just gives more, um, more access to content in more format formats than we could before. Um, and also the copyright protection by way of digitally watermarking files. Um, this has actually been really important um, in our conversations with publishers when we engage with them to see if we can get um, or if they would be willing to provide for us um, their audio files for us to make available. Um, the fact that we do have um, some level of copyright uh, protection by watermarking actually goes a long way in um, establishing trust with those publishers. Some specific new features that we have coming. Um, one is um, an opt-in email notification, um, which will be available when either zip, uh, zipped, uh, zip files or direct-to-player books or magazines are available. So what we've heard a lot from users um, since launching the new system is that when you request a book, um, either in zip or direct-to-player, you don't know how long it will take, so you just sort of keep checking to see when it's available. So this new um, feature will uh, give you the ability to optionally um, get an email notification when books become available. And then when you get that email notification, of course, you can then go to your uh, bookshelf or your available zip page and get access to the content. Another piece we're working on is advanced search. Uh, so this is an advanced search feature to the catalog. You'll be able to search under more specific um, specific searches such as on a narrator or a subject category. And you'll also be able to do um, pre-search limits such as publication date or language. Um, and we're also looking at integration of the CELA catalog with the Dolphin Easy Reader. So we're working, this integration will allow um, from within, um, Easy Reader, within the Easy Reader app uh, to be able to search the CELA catalog and add items to your bookshelf. Um, so that's in, um, uh, in development um, and testing stages, but we hope that will come out uh, soon. And um, we are also working with Humanware and to, to hopefully offer this same functionality from Humanware devices. Okay, I wanna talk a little bit now about sort of the broader landscape of accessible publishing in Canada. Um, I think there's some really interesting initiatives going on and just for information and for um, 
uh, kind of sharing out what some of that work looks like and how it benefits uh, people with, uh, with print disabilities. So as some of you may be aware, the federal government uh, through Heritage Canada and the Canada Book Fund uh, committed $22.8 million in funding over five years, starting in 2019. Um, so we were now um, sort of just finishing up year two of that funding. Um, so a number of projects have come out um, from that funding. Um, uh, there was a, um, a full accessible uh, publishing research project. Uh, which is linked to, this was done in conjunction, um, a number of players participated in that work. Um, it was sponsored by ACP, which is the Association of Canadian Publishers, and eBound, which is a not-for-profit organization um, which helps with the uh, digital delivery or the digital services of Canadian independent uh, book publishers. Uh, English language. Um, and SELA uh, participated in this in conjunction with NELS, um, as well as ANEL, that is the publishing association within Quebec, um, among other organizations, to produce the Accessible Publishing Research Project. Um, in this, there was um, a, um, a how do you read um, user survey, and the results are in this report. There was a uh, library um, uh, a training and outreach strategy for public libraries in Canada, which CELA and NELS worked on. There's a number of pieces around building um, the uh, training and knowledge base for what publishers need to build accessible EPUBs and audiobooks uh, and, um, and resources. Um, and then there was also some recommendations for how, how, uh, how we need to move forward over the next um, few years. Um, so, with that in place, um, I know some of the work in the publisher world is that they're looking at piloting um, an accessibility certification process for publishers so that all publishers, when they produce content, a publisher who is certified with accessibility will ensure that what they produce um, is accessible. Um, CLAN Nels has also been um, granted some, uh, some uh, funds through this uh, to start a collaborative project um, to uh, start work on a consolidated nationwide library resource center on accessibility, that this will be focusing on awareness and training for public library staff um, to understand um, both accessible digital books, but also how to make sure that all of their services um, and collections um, are accessible. So I think there's some really exciting movement um, happening within Canada. This also aligns with some interesting movement worldwide in accessible publishing, um, particularly to watch um, is the new legislation out of the EU, um, which will uh, mandate that, uh, or which will legislate that all parts of the book supply chain um, will need to be accessible by June uh, 2025. Um, and then finally, I'll just finish off with um, um, our strategic planning process. So our current strategic, CELA's current strategic plan uh, ends in 2021. Uh, so uh, this year we will be building a new um, strategic plan. So we have started uh, this process uh, and this will include consultation with our stakeholder groups, um, which will include you folks, um, certainly um, um, our partner organizations such as CCB, but also our users um, uh, and how um, and how we will uh, consult either through focus groups or surveys. We'll be sending out more information on how we will do that uh, to help build our strategic plans so we can chart our course um, yeah, over the next uh, three to five years. 
And with that, I will um, end and say that that's my overview of where we're at with SELA and happy to take um, any questions or comments um, now. Okay, yeah, hi. Um, some awesome sounding stuff coming up, but I'm just kind of curious to know uh, what is the turnaround time, for instance, um, between the time when a book gets added to Bookshare and then when it gets added to the SELA catalog? Because I've noticed a lot of times when we go um, look for a book that's been released, we go to SELA and it's not there, but yet we can go to Bookshare. We still have our active Bookshare account and it's, it is there. So what is the turnaround time supposed to be for that? Uh, I'm going to, Lindsay, are you on the line? Can you take that question or, or take a stab at yeah, it? Yeah, I am. Sure. So, um, so Carolina, you've probably seen in some cases that um, a book is available in the Bookshare collection and then um, it might or might not get added to the SELA collection at some point in the future. Is that what you're, what you're thinking of? Well, yeah, because when um, the the relationship between SELA and Bookshare first started, there was, uh, I don't know, a claim made that books would be available immediately once they were part of the Bookshare collection. Mm -hmm. And so there's, I'm seeing, we're seeing some delays and I'm just kind of curious about that. Right. So the, the Bookshare and the SELA, hopefully I can clarify this. So the, the Bookshare and the SELA collection are, are separate collections and they're managed separately. And um, we actually have quite different approaches. So Bookshare is making agreements with many, many publishers and the publishers sort of enable an automatic feed into Bookshare systems. So the books are just kind of churning through in a very automated way. And in Sila's case, we are taking more, and they, they make no selections really beyond the, the choice to make agreements with those publishers. They don't choose books. The books just show up as the publishers um, publish them. The Sila collection is um, more of a curated approach, more of a, a traditional public library approach where we are selecting books. Now, like we, you know, we select as much as we possibly can, um, but it's, it is more of a selection approach than this sort of automated feed. So what, what that means is that um, there are many books in the Bookshare collection that will probably never be added to the Sila collection. Um, so, because they are, they are separate and they're two different processes. That said, if there is a book that you see in the Bookshare collection and, you know, perhaps the, I don't know, the Braille that's, um, you know, it's not a suitable book for automated Braille production, or you'd really like a human narrated audio version, for example, you're more than welcome to um, make a title suggestion, uh, fill out the title suggestion form for that book, and we'll see what we can do. Is we're eventually going to be losing access to Bookshare? Is that correct? Unless we can, unless we pay for it. Well, the the I mean, Lori, you can step in, but the intention is to continue to pay. Yeah, for the, it's a very valuable collection, I think. So there's no intention to lose access. Yeah, I I yeah, I believe that the the access to Bookshare really is um, an integral part of the content that we're able to make. Yeah, to users. Okay, so we're not going to lose that then. Uh, no, not not as long as we can, you know, continue to, um, you know, to afford the licensing fees on that. Okay. Yeah. 
I'll Caroline. shut up now and let somebody else go. Oh, sorry. That's, that's okay, Caroline, <laughs> for your question. from Sheila. I just wanted to clarify. Um, so when we, way back when we originally joined up with Bookshare, um, some people had paid for Bookshare. Um, right. And, uh, and the idea was that they would migrate into the Canadian system through CELA over time. Is that what you're asking about whether that's still happening? Um, well, I mean, because it was two separate things. So, you know, there was the the bookshare, and then, and then for a while, it was being off. It was you know being offered for free to CELA members, and then um, you know, like so, like I still can log into Bookshare with my login credentials because I'm a CELA member. So, Lindsay, maybe do you want to answer that? Because I do think that eventually that's going to shift. Yeah, I think I think the original plan was that we would sort of move people over eventually to the CELA system, but um, in further discussions with Bookshare, they it turns out they don't actually care that much. And um, and I think our sense is, as we worked through this is that it, it's okay for people to continue using Bookshare. Okay. If, yeah, because like, if Bookshare. you're not going to get everything, it's still nice to have that other option. Yeah, yeah, I think I don't think you should see much difference in the titles that are available for you, or, or it should be fairly close within a few days. But uh, if not, I would be curious to know. Um, okay. But uh, yes, but anyway, if, if you like Bookshare.org, you can keep using it. Perfect. Thank you. And the other benefit is that Bookshare is connected directly, say, to voice stream readers, so I can download, you know, I can go in from voice stream into Bookshare and search and download. So I do use it for that sometimes because I like to read books in Braille from Bookshare in Voice Dream Reader app. I don't like reading books in Braille from the Easy Reader app so much, but I do still like it. So I do go in there. It's easy for me to do that. But so that's good that it'll stay, I think, for now, too. Hi, this is uh, really good. I'm enjoying this very much. Uh, I've been a, a Bookshare and a seller user for a long time. I I got on Shella from the beginning. Uh, I was before that, I was a CNIB. I was on the digital library. And then when uh, it, it started, CELA started, they just transferred all my accounts right over to CELA. And then I went through CELA and got on the Bookshare. So I've just been, you know, initiated all along quite nicely. But one thing I am having a problem with now, I'm on um, the Dolphin Easy Reader. And I go in to CELA to go to my bookshelf to any book I've downloaded. I'll go check. And they tell me no books found. And I mean, this can be a long time. And uh, then I have to log out and then log back in again before I can get a download. And I'm just wondering, and I've heard other people complaining of this also. So what is causing that? Or do we know? I log out. And when I log in back in, I don't even have to put my password. I just have to put my account number in. And then I just go down and log in, you know, at the second time. And then it starts downloading the books from my library. And this goes on all the time, just about every single time. So I don't know what's happening. Laura, do you want me to do that one? 
Uh, to... Yeah, Lindsay, if you've got <laughs> sure. thoughts on it, I don't think I would be able to comment on the actual, yeah, yeah technically what may be happening there. Yeah, I think um, this is something I've heard a bit from easy reader users. Um, I suspect it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think easy reader is, is a, you know, basically a pretty good app, but sometimes it does seem to have this issue. So I think um, in my experience, you don't necessarily need to log out, but you do need to, or what seems to help in my experience. And, you know, when I'm using the app um, for testing or whatever is to, close the app so if you go to the app switcher and then just put you know flick the app away close the app completely and then go back into it um, so without logging out it should retain your login uh, then it's um, that seems to sort of you know just it's sort of the unplug and plug it back in solution which I know is not very satisfying but it does seem to work um, sort of stabilizes it. Yeah, so um, so I would give that a try and, and try to avoid the logout because I know that's a, a bit annoying. Um, do you keep up to date on your updates of the app? So make oh, yeah. sure that you're doing I, those. Yeah, because that can also um, cause a lot of problems if you if you get behind on updates. Yeah, I'm on the. 10 or the 14.4 or something and I've got a 10R so my phone is updated pretty good so yeah but I it it just about is constant just about every time you know I go like why aren't they they can't recognize so I, I don't know so you're saying to log out of the um the, the reader and then log back in yeah right. it was just actually not to log out but just to um to close the app so if, yes, uh, yes yeah if you're on an iphone sorry that's what i'm most familiar with you go to the app switcher and you just um yes flick it away to close it just flick it out okay yeah. i'll try that thank you so much you might want to check though i know you said you had your software updated lois but you also might want to check that are you doing app updating your apps automatically as well Ah, uh, well, it's supposed to, uh, Okay, but I can go check and see. I can go. You might, you might just check to see if, if there's an update for easy reader, just in case, oh. but yeah. Okay. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And Kim. Right. Um, yeah, I have a question and it's regarding funding. Um, I didn't realize that you had different models of funding. I thought it was all done uh, through. Uh, individual libraries. So I gave someone some wrong information the other day. So my apologies. I'm delighted to hear that you're being funded by some provinces. But the concern I have is that in British Columbia, um, there are some libraries that don't provide access to SELA. So there are some people that can't get access to the service. And that's really not very equitable. So is there anything that uh, we can do in terms of advocacy to ensure that both NELs and SELA are funded in the province? Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Betty. Um, yeah, of course, you, you've hit on something that uh, is very true in BC um, and Manitoba um, falls into this category as well. Uh, so what we've got in BC uh, is because at the provincial level, uh, it is not funded for all public libraries in BC. What we've got is um, individual libraries therefore uh, fund SELA um, uh, uh, and therefore their communities um, get access because they're being funded from their 
from their own um, municipal or, or regional library. Uh, so yeah, it's a good question regarding what, what you can do in terms of advocacy. Uh, we certainly, um, so historically there hasn't been um, support for funding for SEAL at the provincial level. It's certainly something that's on, that I am very familiar with um, and I am working with uh, BC. I don't, you know, I, that doesn't mean that it will happen, but certainly know that, um, that's, that it's one of the things that I, um, I feel strongly about working on in terms of equitable access. We'll also say that, um, you know, we do offer uh, access to everyone for the, for digital only service. So they are, um, even if you're, if you live in a unfunded area, so you're not funded by your um, local public library, you can get access to SELA and get access to the SELA collection um, digital access only. So you wouldn't be able to, you know, get the physical um, distribution of either embossed braille or CDs, but you can download zip files and get access that way. Uh, so it is, so we do um, attempt uh, as much as we can to allow folks to access our collection if they're in an unfunded area. In terms of what you might be able to do for that, um, yeah, it's an interesting um, question. I'm not sure I have um, an immediate answer for you, but it might be something that I could I could think about and come back maybe to Kim to, to share with the group. If there's something that I think would um, be helpful and align sort of with our, um, our request. I mean, certainly, um, for those people in unfunded areas, they can certainly let their local library know um, that they are interested in SELA. Um, and we are more than happy to, um, you know, talk to local libraries. As it exists right now, we have, you know, a lot of libraries in BC do subscribe individually. And I think we're at about 86% coverage. So, I mean, I know that doesn't help for the for the folks that aren't covered, but, um, you know, we are getting more and more um, coverage in BC over time. Thanks, Lori. That's that's very helpful. So individuals can certainly advocate in their own libraries. And yes. there's no intention here to say, you know, that one library system is better than another. We want it all, right? <laughs> we want access to both because they're both yeah. great yeah. services. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I just missed a quick question. Does SELA still have an agreement with RNIB where they can receive and share content? Because I just wanted to know if, if RNIB yeah. is part of the mix with, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. one of the exciting things about RNIB um, is that they also um, in the UK have uh, now uh, ratified Marrakesh and are able to participate in Marrakesh. So in preliminary conversations with them, um, I believe it is their intent to make their collection available um, through Marrakesh, um, in which case, um, you know, we would be able very easy, you know, it, that is a much, um, I think our previous kinds of approaches to that was sometimes purchasing content or, or getting some of their content, but with Marrakesh, it really allows that entire collection to open up. So that is another piece that, I mean, I'm not, I can't promise anything on that, but I think there's really good indication here um, that as some of these, uh, well, particularly the US and the UK, um, uh, have now are able to participate in Marrakesh that it's really going to benefit everybody in terms of access to that to their collections. Thank you. Yeah. And they have great readers too. I see. Oh, they have wonderful right. readers. That's all. Great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be biased, but <laughs> I agree with you, Kim. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'll tell I'll tell them that. I'll tell them that you guys said they have great readers. Oh boy, yeah. do they they're, they're all good I, readers, I tell you. Yeah, and I we can borrow Braille from the UK, can't we or not? And maybe that's sort of down a different road. I know that we would uh, that yeah. would be part of Marrakesh as well. It would be both yeah. the human narrated audio as well as the Braille. Yeah. That's cool. Uh Elizabeth. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, hi. Um, yeah, first of all, I'm really amazed at all the things that's going on. And I'm looking forward to getting uh, the notifications by email that, uh, that the book is now available. That's, that's great. I do have a question. I don't know if you can help. But um, I did win a book on CBC Radio um, before Christmas. And the author has actually published his own book, but I know uh, it's not available on, on the audio. And I'm wondering how he can get, uh, you know, what he has to do to, to make it available where he published it himself. Um, what, what does he have to do? Uh, I don't mind contacting him and... Uh, helping him through that, but I didn't know what information to give him. Uh, I think, again, probably the best option is the uh, title suggestion form. So uh, we have a collections librarian who's looking at all of those requests and, um, and looking for opportunities to add them to the collection, whether it's by, um, by ordering the book for original production or if we can purchase it in some other way. Um, you can also find something else that's sort of related to this question is our collections policy. So um, that's available on our website as well. Um, if you go to the about us section um, or learn more about CELA um, is the, the link that you'll find in the footer of the page. And then there's a link to policies and then the collections policy is there. Yeah. Okay, so if he agrees, I, I have to first see if he agrees to have it put on audio. And if he does, I, I refer him to the, to the CELA website. Um, so, in, in fact, we don't, um, if, you know, it's, you know, if I get into the details of, sort of what this book is precisely, we don't actually require permission because of the, the exception in the Copyright Act. Um, so, uh, so you could simply go and fill out that title suggestion form and we'll have a look at the title and oh. see if it fits the policy and sort of the, you know, the collection, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but we can have a look and, and make a determination of what's possible. You have talked about, uh, the new things that are coming from Penguin and other places. Will you let us know about them through open book or through the, um, uh, the Daisio Audio, uh, I'm not sure, Daisio Audio uh, magazine, I can't remember the, what it is, you know, where you list titles by, you know, fiction, nonfiction and all that. Is that how we'll find out when these new books are coming? Karen, do you want to take that? Sure. Um, hi, Benny. Thanks for your question. Yes, we do include announcements in both our 
open book uh, newsletter and also in the What's New newsletter, which is the JDC audio list. Um, and if you are on our website, we have um, information usually on the front page. We have a little news section. Um, and also we'll often include it in the recommended reads. So right now, most of our recommended reads books um, that are sort of featured on our website are new ones that have come through Penguin Random House um, for the English side. And so, yes, that's that's where to, to watch. And then also we do make those kinds of announcements on Facebook and our feeds well, if you're on social media. Okay, thank you. Great, awesome. Jerry Chevalier. Thank you, Lori, for a tremendous presentation. Very thorough, it answered three questions that I had in the queue, but I don't need to ask them, so. I'll go on to the minor ones. I just wanted to make sure technically that the CNIB acknowledgement of uh, donor funding for some books, that's not intended to be part of the markup of the book title, right? It still appears sometimes in the book title and that's very annoying when you're browsing your playback device to go through your list of titles to always hear this adjoining the title. And the other question was just dovetailing off what Vinny said about the What's New magazine. I encourage you to put that as part of the Daisy audiobooks on the magazine page because it's very hard to find that What's New. And uh, unless you know the title and you can search for it, I've never been able to find it by browsing. So I think more people would benefit if it was shown there as part of the Daisy, Daisy audio magazine collection. But uh, tremendous work that SEAL is doing. I'm very excited about the partnerships that are coming up. And, oh, and I also hope uh, Vision Australia might be included in that Marrakesh Book Exchange. Thank you, Laurie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, certainly Vision Australia is. Um, um, in, I mean, again, no promises, but yes, they are one of the players as well, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know, Karen, if you want to respond to his comment about... Um, placement on the website or if you just you know take a note of it and uh, it's an excellent suggestion Jerry so yeah we'll we'll take a look at that and see how we can make that um, content easier for people to find thank you for that and Lindsay I'm not sure about the donor statement is that on older pr produced books um, can you comment on that yeah the story <laughs> story is that it sort of as those donor statements were added in the past um, and uh, we've sort of changed the the what we call the or what I call anyway the boilerplate like all that sort of stuff that surrounds the main content of the book that's necessary for for various reasons so that that is no longer being added to um, to Sela books and you know, changed a bit around the that but to remove it from old ones, it, it takes a whole refresh of the collection. So we have to kind of go walk through that whole audio collection and um, and redo the packaging up of the book. So that's a project that is on the list, um, but it, it's just would take a it's going to take a long time. So uh, we need to to get some other stuff squared away first, and then turn our attention to that. Okay, that's um, that's that's not a problem, Lindsay. It's uh, I I think you've got far more important things in the priority queue than going back through all those. It's just, I was concerned that it's happening on an ongoing basis, but if it's no longer being done with the new titles, then we're good to go. I, I wouldn't worry too much about 
refreshing the collection. I would rather see the other things that Laurie talked about, like the advanced search and so on, to uh, have the priority in the in the project list. It's definitely one that I know is annoying, though, so <laughs> it will happen one of these days. Yeah. And the one that says this book was produced by RNIB. Do the music, and then like just in the, you know, like when you're scanning your titles and you don't know what it is, that you just hear that. That was another one that would happen sometimes. Um, I had a question. I don't see any more hands. I had a couple of questions. One is about um, Braille devices. And I know that last spring the RNIB had a few, they had a few uh, oh, orbit readers that they gave people an SD card full of books and they were, I guess they were lending them out to Braille users. And I don't know, when you mentioned humanware partnerships, I just to keep in your mind, if, and I know the NLS right now is trialing low-cost Braille displays that they might be able to give or give at a low cost to Braille readers. It just would be great if Sila would think um, about things like that as well. Maybe you are already. That was one thing. And the second question I had, because I know a lot of people that we help with Sila are, um, they get tangled up when they're trying to figure out. So they search for a book and they request it. And then they forget all the steps sometimes to go to their account, like go to the account and then click on that and then click on say, available files for download or or whatever those ones so the email notification when you get that and that comes in can you click on that just to get to that page or would you still have to do all those steps to get into my account and those other things i guess it's Lindsay. i can speak to that since i wrote the requirements <laughs> um so it's not um i haven't seen the the final result yet but the, that was my uh, my request was that we include a link to the page in my account you'll have to be logged in however to get there so that will be a uh you know you have to log in first but oh yeah but that's great actually that's that because people sometimes say what I have to do this and then this and then you know this other thing so that that would help I think yeah the link to the page uh, I don't know if there's anyone in this group who's uh, using magnification but we're also tightening up that uh, my account page so that there's a, a little less scrolling for any of us who are using site to navigate it as well awesome yeah any thoughts on the braille stuff or it's a good comment um Kim. Um, so I do know that we've talked to NLS about their, um, about uh, some of the plans that they have for piloting. Um, so I think it's definitely worth uh, more consideration on our end. Lindsay, I don't know if you've got any additional info or history on that conversation um, that, that you can share. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right, Larry. Like we've certainly talked about it and have heard about initiatives with other organizations. Um, so, you know, I think it's an opportunity to look at, especially if there's a you know a suitable uh, lower cost braille device that you know. 
What was, I'm trying to remember what the Braille device, I'm sorry that that's not on the top of my head that NLS was using, but they did name one. Do you know it, Kim? Do you? They're trialing two apparently right now in a few states and then they're gonna decide. Right. I think one was similar to the new humanware, the, the Brilliance, but it wasn't called that. They called it something else. And I don't know what the other one was, but I, I'm on some email lists, some Braille yeah. lists with people that are trialing them and, and really like them and think that they're, they're good. Well, you know, great. they're, they're yeah. really good. I don't know. I don't know what company, I guess they put out a request for companies yeah. to make them. So I, I don't know, but I do know in the UK, they were using the Orbit mm -hmm. and, uh, and they, they gave people SD cards with something like a thousand books on it and something and then they would just load that and they had everything from classics to like newer ones and stuff like that and we were all jealous of that that they had this sd card full of books well i was jealous i don't know <laughs> so uh yeah so it's it's um it's definitely something to think about especially um yeah especially encouraging braille and like i'm sure you'd have some rabid braille readers who would be happy to test these type of players for sure. Um, often I, I see with books that are in a series, it'll be maybe the second book or the fifth book available, but rarely does it start with the first and, and, and continue through the series. Is there a reason for that? Series. Well, like for example, for example, it is, yeah, it is a, it is a, yeah, I think the, you know, we always want to try to complete series, but it can be difficult um, to complete a series over time. If we're uh, focusing, say, on newer books, um, sometimes if we haven't um, added the earlier books in the collection, it's also got to do with availability of whether the book is still available, and then also has to do with whether there's um, some kind of commercial available copy or are we producing it ourselves? Um, you know, I do think that there's, for, for series, there's an intent um, to try to fill holes and to have, you know, within reason, complete run of series, but there's always definitely um, gaps and it's definitely an ongoing sort of collection challenge. Lindsay, well, do you, you have anything more to say on that? Yeah, no, that's a, that's about it. Just you know, sometimes things change from between when a series starts, and you know, your, our ability to get the books changes sometimes. So. It's Karen. Can I just jump in on that? Um, I just had a conversation with Teresa, who's our content librarian had a request come through. We were missing for some reason the second in the Lord of the Rings series. Um, and we had it and we don't know where it disappeared to. So she's ordered that one. So if there are gaps, do try and let us know um, and we'll see what we can do with regards to, to filling those holes. It's not always possible. As Lori said, there's lots of different factors at play, but um, you know, it's never our intention to um, have you get to book four and find out that book is five is missing and you're dying to know what happened. So do let us know and we'll see what we can do. Okay, I have a question about, especially with the treaty with American stuff, um, you know, because there's so many different things down in the States. Yes, yes, we, we, we have access to books, books here, but I don't expect we get, I don't expect, I, I don't expect, I don't expect we have all book shares um, um, 
because of the Treaty Act. But you know, we know there's BARD down there that has Audible, but you made a comment about the other service down there. Is everything, does it all, all their collections that is in like Audible and I guess text format all go to that same, to the, where you said, or is it, are we not going to have access to all of what is in the States? Like, yeah. you know, the services. Yeah. I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to understand the treaty in, in it that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a good question. And also I, I just will acknowledge that it's a complicated question um, or a complicated answer. It's a complicated landscape of material. Um, so when you talk about published material in the States, I mean, that is, uh, there's, uh, there's lots of different players that could potentially make content um, available. And so publishers have direct relationships with uh, Bookshare. Um, and if that's in place, then that material can be made available through Bookshare. Um, but in terms of NLS, which is the National Library Service, I mean, they operate, they produce themselves um, human narrated audio and, and Braille, among other accessible formats um, themselves. And that's what makes up their collection. Um, so what they are able to share with us through Marrakesh and to other countries as well, are going to be those titles that they have produced, um, that they have produced, um, under uh, the United States copyright exception for people with print disabilities. And it's those titles that they're able to share. So that will be a different group of titles than publisher produced or commercially produced titles that might be available in Bookshare. Um, and then there will be other titles that might not be available in Bookshare and might not be available in NLS um, that potentially we could purchase uh, commercially and make available. So it it's a, it's, you know, there's not a, there's not a one answer to all the content and it's really about identifying the different sources and doing our best to create those partnerships and relationships so we can get as much content as possible. Does that, does that help? Yes, it does help. But um, so BARD is not one of the ones you're considering at this time to communicate with. It sounds like. Did you say uh, BARD? Am I hearing you? BARD. The, the yeah, Bard, yeah. Bard is the, yeah, uh, yeah, the NLS. So yes, so those will be titles that NLS produces. So yes, those oh, titles. Also, also NLS yep. produces their titles. Okay. See, I always hear people talk about it on lists as one name and not the other name. So that's what's confusing me. Uh, yeah, now I, yeah, I believe that, well, I don't know, Lindsay, do you, would, that is your understanding that there would, that as long as it's an NLS produced title, um, that, that would be available through Marrakesh. Uh, so there may be some titles in that system that aren't Marrakesh eligible titles. So I don't wanna say that all titles are going to be available, but certainly the ones that NLS can share, they will. Okay, well, thank you for the, uh, an a little bit more of understanding. <laughs> it is a bit, it is complicated and there's not always, you know, it, it, yeah, everything, um, there's a lot of different uh, kind of layers uh, to that conversation. I just wanted to make a comment. I, I, I um, subscribe to Kindle and there are a lot of books on Kindle Unlimited, of course, that are, are free. And um, I was just wondering if there's any way that Sela could have an agreement with Kindle so that you could have access to those books so that you could you know, produce them in e-text so that people could read them in 
in Braille or synthesized audio. I mean, I recognize for all a lot of audiobook lovers, people don't like the synthesized audio, but if, if that's the only way a book is available, I'll happily read it. So I'll, even though I prefer human narrated audio, but it's just such a marvelous collection. And I was wondering if, if you've had any thoughts about um, being able to access that collection in some way. Thanks, Betty. Um, Kindle. Um, so um, all of these kinds of relationships um, do require sort of the the openness of the, the company to to be willing to talk to us to be able to share content. So there's a few ways to answer this one is for sure to try. Um, I'm uh, open and willing uh, to kind of have those conversations to see if we can get access to those titles. And actually, I think that the climate right now of publishers understanding the importance of providing accessible content um, for people with print disabilities in 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 our um, in collections such as Sela's. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, goodwill there, and I think there's a real possibility. So those conversations might go somewhere uh, with Amazon. Um, it's also possible that some of those, I don't know if, uh, you know, that we may be able, depending on which titles you're talking about, um, you know, on Kindle, and if they have rights to be distributed elsewhere, that we may be able to um, commercially produce, uh, purchase them from other sources as well. Um, and that's a possibility of being able to purchase titles. Uh, so those are all um, conversations uh, to be had and to work on. And I think they're really important. I think we've seen certainly movement in some of the bigger publishers um, in our current conversations. So yeah, I take your point and um, we'll make a note of that. Yeah, it's just such a huge collection. And I yeah. very happily subscribe, you know, myself and listen to all of these books. But I'm, you know, I often think about people who maybe can't afford a service like that and, yeah. you know, could really benefit from access. Uh, this A series I'm reading right now is by Jean Granger, um, the Star and the Shamrock series. It's a series of three books that start off in the uh, Second World War and then go beyond. But, you know, it's a lovely series. And, you know, I recognize that there are only so many books because it's quite expensive to actually produce books. And I'm thinking, you know, these are all right there. If you had access to, you know, a collection like that, you know, I, it would, there would just be so many more titles yeah. available yeah. If, if, if Amazon were open to such a thing and who knows if they, you know, would be or not. Yeah, I think, yeah. And, you know, they're big, they make Amazon will make their own decisions for Amazon. Um, but uh, I think there's always that possibility for conversation and I'm certainly up for trying for it. So, yeah. And I guess also if you get to, into this smart speaker use, if you say, well, we'll use your speakers or we'll put our service there, then maybe they'll yeah. give you their book. Yeah, and interestingly, in our conversations um, with some of the other uh, countries um, that are uh, um, uh, piloting or uh, beginning to use the smart speaker piece, um, like I think in the UK, um, I think I'm, and um, Australia too, that there was, you know, that Amazon actually was um, quite interested in helping out and maybe even in providing um, sort of users uh, 
uh, with some of the speakers. So I think that there is openness from Amazon. Now those are kind of the more the country specific um, Amazon offices too, but I, I, I don't think the door is shut there. I think there is certainly the opportunity for conversation. Cool. Camille. Am I correct in saying that just because a title is available on Bookshare, it may not necessarily be available to the CELA collection? Um, I'm just trying to understand. Uh, so, Lindsay, I think if you can take that, but I, is that the same question that we answered uh, before, or is that I'm a different sure question? I'm not sure that Louise meant, so that's why I'm kind of complimenting on her question. Yeah, maybe I would, yeah, maybe I, I, I increased confusion rather than clarity. So, um, so there's a lot of overlap actually between the SELA and the Bookshare collection. Like we have a lot of the same books in both collections. So, so I would say, no, we can, if a book, if a book is in the Bookshare collection, it doesn't mean we, we can't or won't get it in the SELA collection. Um, we, like we do, you know, the, the two collections are managed separately and, and we make decisions about the SELA collection, um, you know, maybe looking at what's in Bookshare, but not, it's not going to say, oh, it's in Bookshare, so therefore we won't have it. Um, you know, we recognize that there's lots of books that are, it's important to create in human narrated audio or purchase in human narrated audio or the human transcribed braille, and that's not a service that Bookshare is providing. So, um, so that's where we can step in and um, and uh, add to that. There's also books that are important, you know, for because they're published uh, because they're Canadian books, or you know, for all sorts of reasons. For uh, Bookshare has virtually no French, and we're actively adding to the French collection. So there's all sorts of things that um, we make separate decisions. Yeah. This book was available to American users does not necessarily mean they will be available to Canadian users. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that one gets a little complicated too. Um, so the Bookshare, they a lot of their collection, um, they try as much as possible to get Bookshares to, to get, sorry, Bookshare tries as much as possible to have publishers sign um, uh, agreements that allow international distribution of the books. Oh, okay. So, which would include us, but sometimes, um, you know, publishers are only interested in, in distributing books within the U.S. Yeah. Um, okay. Now that makes sense. Yeah. And Bookshare is also very important in the educational sector in the U.S. And so sometimes there are books that are created for education uh, and, and, um, under the copyright exemption and so on. So we're working on getting those copyright exemption ones. Um, so that's that's a work in progress. So there's, you should see more coming up that, um, but it, it is, you know, as Larry was saying, it, it gets complicated. Yeah, all about copyright but, laws. Yeah, <laughs> so just to clarify your question, you're actually saying, you're asking about titles that you find when you search like the no. US bookshare.org versus what you find when you no, search No, because I do not have an account website. on Bookshare. Oh, okay. Okay. I heard the author mentioning that her book was available on Bookshare. Very good. So when yeah. I logged in to CELA, I, I did not find it. I yeah. thought, okay, maybe just a question of timing. That was in August. And uh, again, in November, I looked and it still wasn't available on, in CELA. 
so I'm going, well, there's got to be some kind of copyright laws. Yeah. Or maybe the author is not interested in having her book published internationally, like somebody just explained there. It's probably just as simple as that. Yeah. Good. Thanks. It's a good question. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah. Thanks, Camille. It, it is a good question. And I do remember when I first was on Bookshare, there was hardly, when I first browsed, there was hardly anything we could get. And Americans had everything. And, but there's so much more now. So that is good. Uh, Jim. Hi. Question. Uh, you mentioned the Amazon and Google devices, home speakers. Uh, what about the um, uh, Apple HomePod and the new HomePod minis? Will they also be able to access books through Sela? Yeah. Uh, I'll, all I can say to that is that we're in the exploratory stage. So what I know that other libraries have done has been with the Google and Amazon devices. I think it's something I can take a note of to see uh, if any, um, and if we would be able to um, use the Apple solution. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pieces to that as we look at the both the technical implementation. So whatever service that we um, look to license would have to support that and also looking at cost and what that would be. So mm -hmm. I've written it down, but um, it's not something that I know yet that any of our kind of uh, um, sister libraries around the world, I don't think have done it with the Apple uh, smart speakers. The only reason I ask is because there are a few of us out there who don't like dealing with companies that collect information on us mm -hmm. and what we say and what we do and what we ask for and stuff like that. Whereas Apple doesn't do that. Yeah. Uh, so th that's the only reason I ask. No, it's, it's good. So thank yeah. you. Well, and it is a good point too, Jim, because so many blind people use Apple devices. So it is a, it is actually a good, you know, it's good to keep it in our mind. Well, I'd really like to thank, um, Ever since GTT, you know, really got going, Sila has been very generous and very supportive of us, but also really generous with your time and your um, answering the questions. And, you know, I know Lindsay and Karen were in on those calls when we were pretty hard on Sila at the beginning of the transitions. And you were always very, um, you know, very supportive and, and very open with your answers and with your feedback and took our feedback. So I really want to thank all of you for being on this call tonight and for, uh, you know, answering our questions and for, as people have said, giving such a very, um, a great, well-rounded presentation. Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll-free at 1-877-304-0968. You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to gttsupport plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.org.